there's no right or wrong way to breathe. There's no uh, perfect perfection in the breath. Hey everyone, welcome to Inflow with Change, the podcast that tells you all there is to know about how to tap into your own deeper knowing. This show is for people who are ready to let go of their armors, explore unknown territories and invite more curiosity into their lives. People who are ready to let go of perfectionism and what they think they should be and simply be who they truly are. Before we dive into today's episode, I just want to invite you to listen with an open mind and a honest heart, to explore the triggers that some episodes may arise in you and flow through them with kindness towards yourself. My name is Sara Bigatti, an Italian living abroad. I am a human being, first of all, on a journey of continuous exploration and with the intention to live my life in the most authentic way. I'm a qualified movement and breath coach, fascinated by the human body in all its forms and capacities. After years in the personal training industry, which still is a great part of my work today, I encountered animal flow and discovered a new layer of connection with my own body. At the same time, I started exploring the magic of our own breath, and what it means to be present with it. This journey, which is a never-ending one, is allowing me to let go of layers that do not serve me anymore and be fully present here and now. Do not be surprised if, in a few years, you will meet a different version of me. I believe in our transformative nature. Sometimes it feels we do not have a choice, but most of the times we do. It is a matter of perspective. I am so excited to be sharing with you concepts and ideas, conversations with amazing people, experts and professionals I have encountered along the way and have in their own way sparked my curiosity to ask even more questions to them, to myself and to life. Thank you all for listening and flowing with me. I'm so, so excited of today's episode. The way we breathe is the way we live. Today's episode has a very, very special guest, Nora Wiedemann. Nora is a breath worker, breath teacher, leadership coach, somatic practitioner and medicine woman who guides individuals and groups in rewiring their nervous system from who they think they should be to who they truly are. Nora offers breathwork facilitation trainings to leaders, visionaries, coaches, and parents, how you do everything else, exploring what the breath actually signifies and reflects back to us, how it is in direct relationship to our capacity to create and receive anything, life experiences, presence, love, money, responsibility. How often we think we need to externally change things to get from A to B. For example, I need to lose weight to get a partner. I need to get this promotion to be successful. While actually the power is in our breath. The power, our power relies, lies within us 
and it is right now. This is a big description, but yeah, I'm really, really <laughs> happy, really happy of having you here. Um, and uh, maybe a little, little short introduction on how I met you. Um, so well, over coffee. <laughs> yes, was over one coffee. good cappuccino. <laughs> exactly. And then the the magic started. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just like saw your work. Um, so something of what you were doing, I was interested in discovering a new tool to actually applying my own uh, profession as a movement coach, um, I approached you and you were really kind and you told me like, yeah, just come over and then we have a coffee. And uh, yeah, and then we started talking and then I felt your enthusiasm for what you're doing. And yeah, then we started a mentorship and then now we are here for a podcast and uh, yeah. So yeah, maybe just a few words to you um, to present yourself the way you prefer and then uh, we dive into the the talk we want to have mm, thank you for that introduction i think to start off with i'm a human being <laughs> minus all those things plus all those things um, i think that's one thing that as a practitioner um, when someone introduces me the most important thing that i like to just emphasize is that i'm a human that's being and that's learning and that's creating and that kind of underlies the practice and the work that happens behind the scenes of all those titles um, is my own practice my own um, process big time i think as a teacher you're always a student to life to yourself and to your students as well so um i'm gonna leave it at that i think um for it's been an honor to just work with you and and to teach you to learn from you. Uh, Sarah and I, we had a beautiful six month journey together um, in our breathwork facilitator training mentorship. And that was incredibly beautiful just to see how you have just evolved into so many things, so many new things, so many new expressions. And now to be as a, as a person that you're interviewing on your podcast, I'm like, yes, Yay, I get to see you shine. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that for now. Yeah, thank you. And uh, just while you're sharing this and before um, getting a little deeper into the topic of the podcast, I just want to share one of the sentences that I remember you say often. And we are human beings, not doing. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, it just yes. speaks to me because we live in a such um ongoing continually continuously ongoing society that as humans we actually just need to be and we don't have to do all these things and i believe the breath has been like such a at least in my journey but yeah you, you taught me that so um has been like such a big important tool that actually allows you to be it's the anchor point for becoming a human being, not a human doing, right? All our lives we're programmed, we are indoctrinated, we are taught, because most of the time, if you look at historically as well, past generations before us, they had very different problems, quote unquote, than we did. It's very more, more survival based and that's okay and valid, but it is no longer applicable for the time we're in. And so now we're, we're facing this evolution of consciousness of uh, human potential to, truly access states of consciousness that are 
states of being, states of evolution, states of revolution, rather than states of survival. And it's just time for us to take that self-responsibility as individuals to make that switch. Because it's up to us, it's not up to someone else telling us how to do it. There's no step-by-step -step process. It's a individual journey that gets to be unique to everyone. Well, just um, for what you're sharing also, and then um, because sometimes um, I believe in the, in the world of breathwork and in the world of consciousness, it becomes easily we connect to certain words that become, what does that mean? You know, like that big words, a bit abstract in it. So um, maybe you want to say a few more words about what you mean with evolution of consciousness that is very long written words, very long written group of words and important consciousness evolution revolution is what, what does that mean to you? So there's multiple different definitions I could give for that, but I'm going to keep it to a facet of breath work that I, I personally focus on is the shift in consciousness and consciousness being the space from which we perceive reality and ourselves within the context of reality, right? So that is shifting, and that's like what I see and work with with clients as well, is the shift from life is happening to me mm -hmm. to life is happening for me. Life is happening through me, literally. That's what prana, breath, means, is, is life. Life is prana. It's the breath that moves in you, through you, and within you, rather than to you. Right. So the, the evolution that I see is the shift from being in some way a victim also of life happening to you like, oh, my God, this happened and then this happened and then help. I'm drowning in a certain way mm -hmm. to. All right. Can I find my center point amongst all this? Can I find my receptivity amongst all this? Can I perceive reality from a state of peace no matter what the external reality is is challenging me with in some ways so it's it's not necessarily an external change that i see is happening but that's why it's a it's a consciousness evolution yes there's also external revolutions happening all over the world but it's an internal revolution that predominates the external that i i feel is also necessary before the external can actually happen yeah. in a yeah. way that is peaceful that is integrated that is sustainable and so that that's the shift of moving into the world from within rather than taking in the world and then think and then reacting to the world that's the difference and that's a i mean it's just it's the biggest change we can make and experience as humans when we start realizing whoa that shift is possible for me it's not just possible for someone i read a book about on a self-development uh, shelf it's possible for every single human and that's the beauty of it it's in breath that that breathwork is the most accessible tool that anyone no matter what your body looks like how able-bodied you are what gender you are how you identify whatever it is the most accessible tool we have as human beings yeah yeah thank you yeah it's just so many things are popping up in my in my heart, mind, head, <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I want to like bring it to is also when you when you want to make a change, for example, and you just you said you use the word react. So you just do things 
and you do a lot of things because that war makes you feel alive, makes you feel you're actually moving. But when you manage to anchor that feeling that you have inside and then you actually through the breath or through other tools, but here we want to bring the attention to the breath because it's easy and it's simple and it's here. When you manage to anchor to your stillness inside and actually make that step, make that decision, make that step into that relationship, whatever that is with a feeling of like safety within yourself, then the decision is sustainable. And that's what, what you said as well. So yeah, I find that fascinating because the breath to me is a way to actually be very in connection with my deepest desire, my deepest knowing, my that feeling of I want to do that thing and I want to make that change. I want to step into that. I want to get closer to that situation. And I trust I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's what the breath allows us to do. It, it allows us to move from inwards outwards rather than outwards inwards. Right. I, I, I see this in a lot of women, for example. They're looking at everyone outside of themselves, that everyone around them are have their needs met, except themselves. It's a sense of hypervigilance, and hypervigilance is, if you're not familiar with that term, it's just like hyper-awareness of everything that's happening in your surrounding, except yourself. And so this is the shift is like, breath allows you to anchor into your authenticity, yeah. your true desires, your true needs, not the the, the the veil or the illusion or the character you think you need to be playing, right? This is what I do in my work from who you think you need to be to who you truly are. But that is only accessible through that anchor, also somatically, meaning via the body, mm -hmm. to have that self-connection to, <sighs> yeah, this is me, I'm here with myself. Yeah. And what it also comes back down to, what you said beautifully is, Right, this, how does breath interlink with change? How does breath, <laughs> what you said beautifully is, what is that, you know, where, where comes that moment where we're taking that breath and saying, okay, I'm ready for this, I'm choosing this. Hmm. Our capacity of change is directly linked to our recognition of the choice we always have. Yeah. When we're not, when we're not recognition of that, <laughs> I can go, I can, I'll, I'll go into that one if you want. <laughs> Please, because, um, well, it's just the connection I'm making is also um, where the, the last retreat I organized in Portugal that was about choice, was about change, practice change. And the fact that we always have a choice, but how often we feel we don't have one, we feel like we are victims. And that's what you shared before as well. And... Um, yeah, so the, the, the choice and the breath and like, how, how is that connected? I mean, mm. to me, I, I see all thousands of connections, but <laughs> it's, it's you, I want to hear you. <laughs> so it's beautiful because it's really about practicing change. Mm. It's not something, change is not something, right? When we're, when we're born into this world, we're in, in, we're like these helpless human beings that are just they're, they're dependent on everyone around themselves to have a sense of, okay, consistency, right? That's what we're looking for and trying to maintain as human beings. We try to maintain consistency in a world that is constantly changing, where change is the only constant. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the, the whole paradox we face as human beings. 
we're our, our brain wants to keep it consistent while reality is just constantly changing. So how breath interlinks is that is that first of all, it allows us to practice change. When we're talking about behavioral changes as well as state changes and what i mean by that is when you go from the parasympathetic into the sympathetic branch of the nervous system meaning the rest and digest to the fight or flight or the more active part of your nervous system what you're doing there is you're practicing how quickly you're able to respond to an external stimulus that signals your body all right now it's time to take action what you're doing is you're practicing in your nervous system how quickly you can make that switch mm-hmm. and how can you do that breath work it's the most direct point of accessing your capacity to respond rather than react in any given moment mm-hmm. right and i emphasize that yes it is possible in any given moment my partner he used to be uh he used to train military um in here in holland and this is the, the, the power of breath is that even when you're faced in a life or death situation where your instinctual body, your primal brain is like, help, run, leave, exit this situation. What they're taught is to breathe. Breathe deep. And then move with precision, move with clarity. And what that does, it allows us to switch on the neocortex which is the part of our brain that later developed the primal part has been there for thousands and thousands of years the reptilian brain that's like really that the part of us that tells okay this is uh where we need to run this is where we need to fight this is where we need to freeze you know but this is the also going back to the conscious revolution consciousness that we're having is this capacity to take ownership and self-leadership as we direct ourselves towards higher states of thinking in situations that are triggering our primal brain to react, mm-hmm. right? And that's where we, we, we're regaining this capacity to respond to life. Mm-hmm. And what happens there? It's where the sweet spot of creativity emerges. And what happens in creativity? Creativity allows us to think in rev- revolutionary ways, innovative va- ways, rather than old ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. I think Einstein said this is like you cannot solve a question in the same state of or level of thinking in which it was created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and it's that's yeah. exactly what breath allows us to do. It allows us to to dive into ourselves, and in the moment where every let's say let's say someone is 55 years old and has always reacted the same way to the way their partner is saying something mm-hmm. every time anger comes in except this one time because they practice change in their nervous system yeah through a breathwork session through multiple breathwork sessions they regain their capacity to be in self-leadership in that moment and instead of saying like, ah, but you did this and da, 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 perpetuating the pattern of reaction, dysregulation, anger, mm-hmm. they now gain access to creativity, to love ultimately. Because when, we're, when, when our creative brain is active, the neural networks of love, of connection, of our social skills also becomes active at the same time. 
And that usually shuts down when we're in the survival state. So that's what we're doing is like we're practicing change through the breath so that we can re-perform that the practice in a state where we would usually react. Yeah. And now we can learn how to respond. Yeah. 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 That's I find this like really uh, really fascinating. Like thank you because one of the things that um that you mentioned also the perpetuating the patterns and that's one of the things that at least more in my experience and I, I see that happening very often when you are used to respond react to a certain situation in a certain way that feels that is also painful for you because it's not something most of the time it's not something that you want to react in that way but that's your safety choice because you know what's going to happen and um when you keep reacting in the same 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 way then you will always have the same results so what you said you cannot solve a problem with the same in the same way you created it and i think that's so important and i see that happening in an everyday life when you when you are working on something and you cannot come up with a, an idea or you make a mistake or something a lot of times at least to me it happens that i want to solve it now i want to change it now i want to I, I don't know, let's, let's go a little bit deeper into a problem in a, in a relation with a friend, with a partner. You have a fight, you get annoyed for something and you want to solve it right now. You want to you wanna, you wanna solve it and you want to talk it through and you want to understand what happens and everything right now. But often what helps the most is, okay, breathe in, breathe out step away from the situation for a while and then step in again with a different perspective and i think that's so hard to do but at the same time um at least to me the breathwork practice has helped me big time with that because it allows me to instead of connecting with what is around me and what is happening in the mm -hmm. relation in the fight in the whatever in the work in my profession to look back inside and feel like okay how am i feeling right now like what mm. is really bothering me and yeah. that's and that the first time i i looked at this thing i was like yeah but how am i gonna do this like this is not <laughs> possible but then the more i was doing it not directly but with practices around it the more actually i realize now when i'm in those situation i'm more able to look outside them and see like okay this is actually not related to the person, for example. This is actually something that is bothering me for something else connected to something else. And therefore, the way this person is responding to me now makes me angry. But it's not about the person. <laughs> yeah. The so, trigger is the teacher. The trigger yeah. is the teacher. And, and it's a nice thing to say, you know, it's always like these, I love these little cliche uh, uh, quotes, but let's unpack that, you know, it's... Um, I work with this, for example, in, in Wisdom in Your System, my, my eight-week course, is the trigger is the access point for truth. Always. It is never outside of ourselves. It's always within ourselves. We have not learned, however, to tune into that wisdom. So, for example, right, I, I have a lot of women who have a lot of anger. <laughs> women are angry, angry people. And I don't, I don't say that with, with, as a joke, but it's really anger is the most suppressed emotion 
in women specifically also in men definitely healthy anger is very rare rarely seen in this world but there's always this question that i get why does it feel so good to be angry mm -hmm. right it's it's this like this buildup of okay i'm not gonna shout i'm not gonna be loud i'm not gonna make take up space until there's a crack in the mask and then there's that unleashing of like, ah, right? And so just because this, this links deeply to breath is that in some way or form, our old patterns of reactivity, they meet a need in some way or form. They meet a need in some way or form. Because as children, it's the only way we got our needs met. So for example, a child that never learned how to hold and express and even, even come into connection, right? Connection with his anger will learn to have a temper tantrum. Can you explain? In that? order to receive the underlying primary need that he actually has of safety, of connection, of belonging. Yeah. And so actually most of our patterns of reactivity are ways we have learned over years to meet our primary needs. We've not yet learned a new way to meet that need. And what you're talking about where, where we then practice self-connection in moments of disconnection, quote unquote, that is when we are reparenting ourselves as well and relearning, rewiring the parts in our brain that have for years and years learned, okay, if I do a tantric tantrum, if I start shouting at my partner, if I uh, uh, go into avoidance, right? If I just ignore them and block them or ghost someone, then I meet my need for safety. Then I meet my need for belonging. We rewire that when we reclaim our capacity for self-connection in that moment. And then where we tune in, we're like, okay, we take a breath here. All right, what is this part that's being triggered right now? What do I need? What am I feeling? And then in that moment to literally breathe with that part, right? A child, probably us as when we were children, when, we, when that imprint was first created, what we needed was a parent to sit with us and breathe through the anger with us to breathe through the tears with us, yeah. right? Because this is also the beautiful thing that I, and I got goosebumps when I share that, but the breath is the thing, and this is the, the, the poetic part of the breath. It's the first thing we do, and it's the last thing we do in this life. So the breath accompanies every single experience we have in this life, meaning the breath has accompanied every single <sighs> of grief we've ever had. Right, every emotion, every sensation, every memory has a breath pattern accompanied to it. And that becomes reactivated every time the external environment triggers to our brain. It's happening again. Help, help, help. I need to react in the same way I've always done for the past years. Yeah. Yeah. Can and I what we can then do one second? Yeah. Because yeah, definitely. Uh, you were sharing something about like um yeah, the 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 evolution of a human being so like when you start as a kid and how you respond through emotions and how your parents respond to you and i think that's very interesting point because we often 
go into like, okay, I'm like this now, I don't understand, but there's so much happening in our uh, line that uh, as an impact. Um, but you said something about when a kid, for example, gets angry and the best thing would be to actually sit with the kid and break through anger and allow the kid to feel that anger. But often what I notice is adults and parents are not trained for that and they don't know that, they don't do that themselves. So my question here and yeah, probably like a question that a lot of people would have is like, how do you approach anger? Like what is it actually? Because it feels um, often like the, the response or the reaction to anger is like either shouting or ignoring or stepping away. No, I don't want to talk about this. Oh yeah, I don't care about this. But it is something else inside. And I think it's also very difficult to recognize anger itself. Sometimes it's clear. Sometimes you get triggered by something. Someone does something bad to you. You get angry and it's clear something happened. But sometimes you get triggered, you get annoyed, you get you get angry because your need is not met, is because of something. So maybe you want to dive a little bit into anger, just a little bit, and just to understand, okay, how how is a kid impacted by that? How can mm-hmm. we as adults, parents, have an impact on the breath of our child, of our children, for example? Yeah, so this is a beautiful question and this is the one where I I just I, I tear up in some ways because this is the really where the, the ripple effect shows of doing breath work as an adult, as a parent, as a caregiver, as a as a mother, as a as an aunt, as a whatever. Because in children from developmental psychology, a child pretty much until it's I would say 16, 18, beyond that even, the way it learns to be in relationship to its emotions, the child, is dependent and directly paralleled to the way the parent is in relationship to their own emotions. Mm. Right. So how you as a parent are in relationship to your own anger will be reflected in the way that your child learns to be in relationship to their own anger. And this is where you see systemic patterns, generational patterns. You know, uh, if you work with family constellations, this is something that you can see generations, generations, generations. This is why trauma, also physical symptoms are often handed down because the emotional, the psycho-emotional pattern is transferred over generations. So the way that anger and kind of to un- un- unravel the mystery of anger, like a lot of our emotions, anger is simply a, anger is simply a collection of sensations that we feel in the body that are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Same as grief, same as excitement, except that excitement stimulates of course it stimulates different pathways in our in our in our nervous system that tells the brain all right this usually when i feel excitement there's a good outcome right we've been socialized to kind of see cause and effect yeah so as a child okay mom says we're gonna have ice cream cause 
effect is you sit in the sun with a nice uh, <laughs> of ice cream. Yay, you know? If you're lactose intolerant, it's a very different story. <laughs> right? It's like ice cream. Oh, no. Again. Toilets for the next hours, right? Just as a, as a fun little example. So this is a socialization of, of emotions that we learn over time. So everyone also has a very different definition of anger in their nervous system. The threshold is very different for, for, for multiple different people. So someone who has a very, let's say, high threshold of anger, they tend to be like, okay, quite unfazed by certain things. Like if you're very at peace with yourself, your threshold of, of sensations in your body is like, oh, all right, okay, I'm at peace, I'm good. Yeah. If your threshold is very low, you're, there's this one thing that happens and it's explosion, right? Yeah. And so the definition, that's where we start off with, is highly different. And that's something very important to know as well. There are many different forms of anger. Anger can be shown as like projected anger, meaning this is the reason that I feel all these uncomfortable sensations in my body. It can be internalized anger. It's because of me. Oh, why did I do that? Why, why me? Why, why did I do this wrong? I see this a lot in women, right? Resentment. This is like passive aggressive form of anger. It's like, oh no, I'm everything's fine. I'm no, I'm okay, but fuck you, if I can say that. It's it's really like a repression of the the truth that we are experiencing within ourselves because at some point during our life we learned that the truth is not safe to express yeah. the truth will be rejected yeah. the truth will be shamed the truth will be abandoned right our truth will be abandoned in some way or form so that's the imprint we have that's a direct link in the relationship that gets kind of set in stone in our brains so from there, how, how, do we, how do we navigate anger in a healthy way? What is healthy anger? That's the second question. And those are things that um, anger informs us often of where a boundary has been crossed or a need is going unmet. And anger is always a me problem. It's always a problem of the self. And what I mean by that, I want to unravel that because it's a heavy loaded statement. Anger always, if, if, if expressed in a healthy way, requires us to be in self-connection before we go in connection with someone else. Always. I will stand by that, uh, that uh, statement because only when we can, it's really what I see. And this is the beauty about really also seeing this in clients is that once we start seeing emotions, not as something to get rid of, not as something to, oh, I want to feel this, but I don't want to feel this. Once we start and welcoming every emotion as a visitor, there's this beautiful poem by Khalil Gibran about emotions. Take each emotion as a visitor, as a guest in your guest house. Yeah. And once we start seeing each emotion as neutral to a certain degree and to really welcome it in and take space for it, to really imagine, and this is what I do in my personal practice, but also with clients, to see it as literally something or someone sitting in front of you and taking time for it and being, oh, 
Can I breathe with you? What do you have to teach me? What are you, what, is there anything you want to tell me? What do you need right now? And it sounds, maybe sounds weird for some to have that dialogue, but that's what breathwork does. When you take 10 breaths with the icky, sticky feeling, the tension you feel in the center of your chest when you're pissed off, when you take 10 breaths, 20 breaths, 30 breaths with that, and start asking these questions, your experience will absolutely shift. And it doesn't require you to roll out of a yoga mat and do a 30-minute practice. It doesn't require you to go to, you know, uh, 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 retreats somewhere in, in Portugal. <laughs> it's also great. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's also great. But it that's something that is super accessible to anyone. You can do this in the car when you're pissed on the highway. And you're saying, okay, I'm just not going to close my eyes, but I am going to breathe. I'm going to do 30 breaths. Yeah, not close the eyes when you're on the highway, no. <laughs> Disclaimer, legally. <laughs> but to take 30 breaths and be like, okay, what is it teaching me? What is, what do you need right now? And this is something I go deeper into the, you know, in my somatic practice with clients, where we start linking the emotions to certain aspects of ourselves, right? So the five-year-old kids... The seven-year-old that just wants to be held. You know, all these different aspects. And it's because, they, yes, it shows up as sensations, but the psyche, our consciousness, our mind, our neocortex needs and loves to attach a story onto certain emotions, experiences, in order to fully integrate it as well. And that's the, the kind of the practice that breathwork is deeply connected to because breathwork is the thing that connects all aspects of our brain, the brainstem, the reptilian brain, the neocortex. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I do have some questions actually on, uh, on that part. So, um, well, first I would love you to, if you, yeah, like to unravel a little bit more about what you said about anger is a me problem and how that is related to a lot of other emotions and maybe make it as a practical example uh, something mm -hmm. that that you see happening quite often and a quite common problem so then because what i feel when uh, when the, the the words like anger or jealousy or whatever is a me problem and a strong emotion is a me problem um it's very triggering you know like it's very like it's like yeah but like how is that my problem if someone else did something to me you know so it's really hard to grasp as a concept but i also do feel so much truth in it at the same time the how hard it is to actually make it real and accept it as a true thing yeah so I, I know this is triggering and I think it's, it really requires um, receptivity to listen to um, kind of the, what I mean by that, right? My first impulse might be, oh, but no, I, I remember this situation where he was so wrong and I was right and uh, he did this to me and yes, you know, in some situations people do horrible things to you and this is the, the, the shift also is that we can remain in codependent patterns because that's what in the end it becomes when we say, 
I feel this, so I need you to change in order for me to feel better. We make our state, our state of well-being, our state of peace, our state of um, self-connection, ultimately, dependent on how someone else is showing up. That means we are not free. We can never be free when we're in a state of that. And, you know, I say this with, with, with all my love, truly, because I also know the other side of being in the deepest grief that you ever know. Did someone get me out of here? Being in depression, I've been there. You know, it, it's, it's, you want someone to save you. You want someone to, to take your hand and be like, take me out of here. And life from that place will only continue to happening, be happening to you, right? Not for you. So when we can say, all right, I am, uh, yes, this is an emotion I'm experiencing, but then to also recognize and reflect within and take it in, right? Our capacity to receive ourselves. Often the first impulse is, okay, I need to get rid of this or I need someone else to save me from this. So rather than making it that, to be like, all right, no. What if I turned inwards here? What if I took a moment or more, a couple breaths, to take myself in, to receive myself fully in this moment, right? To, to, to really, and I've had this in moments of grief, for example, just to be like, can I be okay with every part of me right now? The part of me that doesn't want to be here. The part of me that wants to punch something. The part of me that wants to scream. The part of me that wants to die. The part of me that is so angry at the world. The part of me, like all these parts of ourselves. The breath allows us to almost, what I love to visualize is an embrace inwards to all our parts that are activated in that moment. Not because it's like, you know, in, in a, especially when we're super activated, it's, it's it's hard to do and to say like, all right, I'm just going to breathe myself back into peace. You know, it sounds sparkly. It's not. The first breaths will probably be, all right, this part of me, there's a part of me that doesn't want to breathe. It's like, there's this woman on podcast that said I should breathe and I don't want to do it. And I'm like, ugh, ignore her. I just want to get angry and piss or I just want to cry and, and curl up and eat ice cream. What if your breath could embrace even that part? Because it can. And that's kind of what I say when I say it's, it's, it's always a me problem. Mm-hmm. I actually mean it's a me gift. It's a gift towards mm-hmm. yourself. Every emotion that gets activated and alive and enlivened within you is an opening for you to meet yourself in a new way, for you to embrace yourself and parts of yourself that you have never embraced before. It's an yeah. opportunity. Yeah. And that's the, that's what I mean by me problem. I want to, you know, of course it's, it's, it initially triggers, but it's, it's not a problem per se. We've just, what, why I said problem is because we've internalized and we've learned over years that your emotions, certain emotions are a problem, right? Oh no, now I'm feeling anger again. All right, better try and figure out a way to get rid of this. Or, oh no, I'm feeling grief again. Am I going to turn to food 
to soothe myself? Am I going to turn to sex? Am I going to turn to drugs? Am I going to turn to something else to soothe the discomfort of sensations I'm feeling in that moment? What if I embraced through the breath every single part of me, the part of me that wants to eat three bars of chocolate, the part of me that wants to sleep for three days? What if I embraced all those parts? Because what also happens there when we do that, when we make it a me gift, a gift towards yourself, you start making it conscious. Mm. Then it's no longer this urgency, right? This like, oh, I need to eat three bars of chocolate right now, which is the reality for many. Yeah. Or, oh my God, I need to, I, I just, I want to sleep all day. Right? That's the default. That's unconscious. And it's super, it, it, most of the time it, it rains our life. What we do when we say, all right, can I make one thing conscious in this moment? And let that one thing be the breath. Can I take one conscious breath here? To fully come, what I always imagine, it's like, I take all my thoughts, all my, my blah, 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 all my parts, and I bring them right into myself, through my nose, through my throat, into my lungs, into my heart, into my belly, into my womb. And then I hold it. And I'm okay with it. It's like full acceptance of, whoa, this is me in this moment right now. Not who I could be in the future, not what, what could have changed in the past, but right here, right now, can I take it all and be with it? Yeah. And then from there, we regain capacity to become leaders, to be, all right, I'm going to choose something different because I have shifted from unconscious to conscious. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe that's also um, what you shared about like the, the parts and that's a practice I've done with you and by myself as well. And I believe uh, when there's um, a strong emotion happening, visualizing these uh, many parts playing a different role also makes things lighter in a way, more playful because you take distance you don't see that as you but you see that as parts of you so they don't define you and that's that was very hard for me to grasp what what does it actually mean not to be defined by an emotion the emotion is not you but it's a part of you is something happening in you that was really hard for me to grasp but when i started visualizing this game this yeah, I would say I would use the word game of parts, then I could take a distance from that emotion and see it as a field and literally like little, like little, yeah, like objects, like playing different, little me even, playing different roles and communicating to each other. And then helps me because I just stepped out, step out of the emotion, step out of it and look at it as like, okay, this is actually funny, like, why are they fighting so much, you know? And then how can I hold them and that, that the breath comes in? How can I take them all and be like, okay, enough. Like, you've been fighting now. <laughs> can, we, can we get together again and can we communicate together again? And I believe that's really, um, yeah, like a, a, a little shift that allows you to 
look at whatever happens and it's hard emotion in a bit different way. Yeah, exactly. And this is a beautiful, um, you know, in Jungian psychology, for example, they say only the paradox comes anywhere near to comprehending the fullness of life. Yeah. What does that mean? It's only within the paradox, meaning two conflicting aspects that are within ourselves, right? The part that wants to be a, you know, this is my internal reality, the part that wants to have a successful business and uh, lead beautiful uh, groups and the part of me that wants to be a stay-at-home mom and and take care of children and be in the garden all day, (laughs) as an example. But that paradox, when I let these paradoxes meet, And not through the intellectualized understanding of it, not through saying, all right, let me sit down in my journal and plan how I could do both of those things. But instead to feel in the body, in the breath, where does the paradox meet? Because that is where fullness is. That's where truth is. That's where our true compass emerges. And I did this practice with you, play out the polarity. Meaning, go fully into one thing, through movement, through breath. What would you, what would it, to, to, as a practice for someone to take it home? If there's something in your life that is in conflict. Yeah. On one hand, let's say you want to uh, quit your job and you want to do a breathwork training with me. <laughs> Maybe. And on the other hand, and on the other hand, you want to, you know, get a get a pay grade, pay raise uh in your in your career and uh do a new training in that you know two conflicting things seemingly yeah play out put some music on drop into your body breathe into your body okay what how would i move if i were to quit my job and do breathwork training with me yeah. how would i move how would i breathe how would i show up in the world what would come up? Like, where does it, what is the part that's like, ugh, I don't want to do that. That's scary. And then to go into the other polarity, what is the part that wants to be like, you know, successful, uh, high, highly paid, um, blah, blah, blah person in the world, wants to go to business meeting, travel the world, etc. How would they move? How would they breathe? Yeah. Right? And then bring the breath in. And find a still point because the still point is where the answers em- the answer emerges of what is your actual truth yeah. because both of those polarities the paradox these create are created by the mind yeah the truth can only be accessed via the breath via the body the somatics the somatic landscape that is always alive within us but that gets kind of veiled by the perception of the mind we always have so this is kind of like the, the contradiction is where, yeah, truth emerges. And what you say beautifully is the capacity to hold that tension, right? That's what we, we our mind wants to be like, oh no, this is a right choice and this is a wrong choice. I remember you had this, uh, you had this beautiful experience of that. Yeah. Like this is the right choice for me, or is this the right choice for me? Or this could be wrong, right? I remember. <laughs> well, I do remember. I'm just laughing because I think that's a big part of me as well. And that's uh, a pattern that I do have. And that's 
that thing of like, it's this or that. When you're sharing this, I really remember I was in Fuerteventura in Spain with traveling with a van and then you sent me this playlist and you told me, dance it out <laughs> and play the polarities, play your desires. And that's, that's what I did. And then I came back and then there was a big change. And uh, yeah, that was to me very, very useful indeed as a practice. Yeah, to dive, connect uh, somatically, so through my body, to the emotions that I was feeling that were so different. And I would not be able to see how they could co coexist. And for me, it, that, that practice actually to step out of my mind, which was trying to make all the possible plans and trying to fit everything perfectly, which is not working. And when I stepped into my body and to my breath, through my breath, I stepped into my body that it was, uh, yeah, it was just like, okay, maybe it is possible actually. You know, so maybe all and you know what that what you did there, you changed your state of consciousness. Yeah, like Einstein, you cannot solve a question from the same state of consciousness it was created in. Yeah, yeah. And by coming to the body, by coming to the still point, by coming within, we access a whole different realm of answers that yeah. our mind cannot even comprehend or visualize or envision for us. Yeah. It's so yeah. much greater. Do I have one more question for you? And that was also related to the starting point and the, the, the way we decided to call also this podcast, which is the way you breathe is the way you live. And that's a very powerful sentence. And maybe you want to share something of what does that mean to you? Um, and what is your advice also, like what you want to share? that is important in this, uh, in this very simple, but so complicated sentence in a way. So I think I, I realized the true impact of this a couple of years ago when I was traveling and, you know, it's, it's so nice to travel, right? Yeah. It's just this romantic idea of, okay, I'm going to go here, I'm going to sit in a cafe, uh, experience all these new impulses, but my breath, was not here. I was most of the time I was, okay, where do I go next? Okay, Google Maps, I need to translate this and da 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 da. My nervous system was always, okay, <sighs> all right, okay, I don't know where I'm going, da da. So there was always an activation. Another example is, um, I see this, I give an example of a client. She always feels like she's not fully present with her kids. Mm. So she feels, and this is, this is a really, you know, an honest reality as well of many parents where they feel like, oh, I wish I was more present with my kids, right? I wish I could actually, you know, be with them and then remember how it is to be present with children, right? Because in 10 years, in 20 years, they're out of the house. Yeah. So when I say how we breathe is how we live. What I mean is, if our breath is not conscious, our life is not conscious. Yeah. If our breath is unconscious, we live our life unconsciously. And again, what I mean by that is we go through life on automatic pilot where every day kind of looks the same, kind of feels the same. Days blur into days, 
weeks into weeks, years into years, and I'm like, this is brutally honest in some way, there's an emptiness that starts kind of making its way into our system because we don't, right, where we're like, yeah, this is kind of nice, you know, everything around me is stable on paper, I have a good life, but I don't feel alive. Right? I don't feel connected to when I go outside, I see a flower and I'm like, wow, how beautiful are these colors? I have these moments where I, I look at a flower, I look at a tree, I look at a branch, I look at the way light comes into the room and I feel tears emerging from, from the deepest part of myself because I'm like, I take it in through my breath and I'm like, wow, what a gift. So if we're not conscious with our breath, we cannot take life in. We cannot take our friends in. We cannot fully be present with our children. We cannot look at our partners and be like, wow, <laughs> I receive yeah. you. I, I love you, right? The, the feeling of love is a receiving act. And receive love is receiving and giving at the same time. Yeah. And what is, how does that reflect in, in our breath? It's taking the inhale in and the exhale out but doing so consciously not unconsciously yeah and so that's what i mean like on the in, the in the essence of what that statement is is the way you breathe is the way you live if you breathe consciously you live consciously and how that ripples out is when you start taking responsibility for how you breathe meaning you become aware of every single breath in your life to the best of your abilities you start, it's like what I always feel is like this network, this, this expansion of your awareness where you start taking things in, you start seeing colors brighter, you start feeling symptoms, you start feeling sensations in your body much more in a much more present way. You start looking at a person and then truly seeing them actually. Right? How often do we have this where we're sitting with a friend and then kind of listening, like thinking, okay, where am I going to go for dinner or what's on my to-do list next? If we can bring the breath in in that moment and be like, all right, I'm fully 100% with you. Again, this, this visualization of the embrace of the breath. We regain the aliveness that so many of us end up looking for in external things. Food, addiction, patterns, drugs, uh, adrenaline rushes by extremes. That's what we're doing. We're looking for presence. We're looking for aliveness when we do all those things because we think it's out, outside of us. Well, actually, it's accessible right in this moment. Yeah. Always. In every moment we have in life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think... Yeah. <laughs> You brought it together in a very beautiful way. And I believe that when we are not present, indeed, what you said, like you cannot receive life, what happens around you, you cannot receive a person, you cannot receive a relation with a friend, with a partner, whatever kind of relation with your family. And if your mind is somewhere else, busy with some other things, not in the present moment, then that connection will always be contract won't be flowing in a way it won't flow and yeah like that's 
that's a practice and I remember also you sharing some things about co-regulation for example and that's uh, to me something we often ignore and put on the side because yeah I have to do it all myself and when you actually connect with someone else with something outside of you in a way in an intentional way yeah and that's the you know that's a again the paradox is that we think uh, life is about giving and giving and giving the greatest gift we can give and this is something a big lesson i've learned in the past two years or so is that the biggest gift we can give others is to actually receive the single mother that says okay i i, I need to do it on my own we are in a system that doesn't necessarily encourage or is conducive of healthy relationships with mothers or is healthy support with mothers but if 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 as a single mother we can say all right can I actually receive what is there what is around me can I fully let it in without guilt can I and this is a beautiful practice that I love doing for example when I'm in nature we have so many sources and resources around us can I breathe with the wind that moves across the branches? Can I let that be a thing, an energy, a resource that I receive, right? That's the question. Can I look at the way a bird sings its song and let it in, let it touch something in me? Yeah. Yeah. It's all around us, except we, we think it's not. Our mind literally creates all the reasons to say, I, have, I don't have enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not giving enough, I'm not worthy enough. Yeah. I'm not doing enough. <laughs> I have that one too, you know? Yeah. I'm not doing enough, I'm not doing enough. We are. And the breath is the anchor point for coming back to, I am enough. By the breath that I take in, by the breath that I give out, because also what you say with receiving, we cannot receive others unless we receive ourselves first. And the breath is the way to do that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to add anything else to this because I believe, yeah, it's a really beautiful conclusion. Um, what I would love to ask you though, is if you can share with us a little exercise like a little short practice for people that are listening to us to actually connect to actually receive to open uh, to be present uh, so then it's not just about words but we give we can give also a little somatic experience of what we actually mean with working on your breath and working with your breath yeah if you're driving, if you're in a cycle, if you're moving in some form of way, maybe not do this exercise. Pause it and continue to do it later when you're home or when you're sitting, preferably, maybe even lying down. Um, so I'm not gonna do anything too extreme. This is something, this is a practice. I'm gonna give two exercises, actually. I feel inspired. Um, <laughs> The first one being box breathing. You may have heard of this one. It's a very simple practice of pretty much inhaling for a certain amount of time. So we're going to do five seconds. So five seconds in, hold it for five seconds and exhale for five seconds and then hold it again for five seconds. So what I'm going to do as I lead you as a listener through this is to count in and you're going to inhale and I want you to inhale from your belly. So. A lot of us are, especially women, are socialized 
to breathe from the chest, which is very shallow breathing and it's actually constantly stimulating your nervous system to think you're in a fight or flight state, which is not very beneficial because most of us are tending towards a fight or flight state anyways in this uh, world and this surroundings. So what you're gonna do is, if you can, if you want to place a hand on your belly, we're just gonna start by closing our eyes, just to come into connection with how our breath is now, without us manipulating it, without us changing it. Taking a deep breath in, exhaling through the mouth, inhale through the nose, and exhale through the mouth. Just feeling yourself coming home to an inner stillness. And if your mind is full of thoughts and things to do, just breathe that into. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna do a five count inhale. Again, hold for five counts, exhale for five counts, and hold again for five counts. I'm going to count you in. So inhale, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Inhale, two, three, four and exhale all the air and just hold it there. Feel the spaciousness that you've just created by just doing one round, one cycle. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna go right into the next part of this little exercise. So this is an exercise you can do before bed, you can do before an exam, if you feel anxiety, if you feel anything. And that's just deep inhales. So what we're doing here is we're increasing the amount of oxygen that is circulating through our bodies, decreasing the amount of CO2 that is present in our bodies. What that does, it stimulates new pathways in our brain. It activates new branches of the nervous system. And we're going to it essentially allows us to change the state of our being. So what I'm going to ask you to do is to in through the mouth, deep breaths, and you're going to bring the shoulders up and backwards and then out, in and out, in, shoulders back and out and feel with the inhale, you are opening. To all of you, every single thought that you're having, you're just saying, okay, you're allowed to be here. You don't need to go away. Every single sensation is welcome. Back opening and letting yourself rest in your spine. Deepening your breaths here. Feeling the edges of your lungs. Exhale, inhale, shoulders back. You might feel your throat is a bit dry, that's okay. Exhale. 
We're gonna do three more. <sighs> if you want to make sounds that feels good, do so <coughs> in your own time space. Inhale. <sighs> Shoulders back, Sarah is doing it great as well. Two more, inhale. And exhale. Final inhale. And hold it at the fullness of your inhale. Close your eyes. Find your still point. Feel yourself full with all of you. And slowly exhale, sinking into your body even deeper. And holding it again. Resting in yourself. And coming back to a normal breath. So this is a really basic exercise and it's just to get you into connection and relationship with the power of what your breath can do, be, and mean for you. I want to thank you for the, 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 the beautiful, I think, long time we spent together and I knew that for sure. <laughs> and there is someone that can hold space for you to gain deeper insight and relationship with that breath. Yeah. Well, thank you, Nora. Um, I just want to uh, maybe mention a couple of things you are working on and how people can also get in touch with you. Um, so there's a beautiful program which is called Wisdom in Your System. And uh, that's a perfect starting point. I've, I've done a lot of work with Nora and uh, I haven't joined specifically Wisdom in Your System, but I think I've done a lot of those work with her. Um, and that's a perfect starting point for exploring energy patterns. For example, we talked a lot about that and coming into self-leadership um, with, with our needs, with our boundaries, with our truth. So what really feels alive and true to us and everything is done through the breath and through the body. Uh, there's a waiting list for this program and you can find it on the website, which is healingwildly.com. I will write that as well. Um, there is also another opportunity to work with Nora and that's the six month breath work facilitator training, which I cannot, I can just say like it's a, it's a beautiful experience um, and uh, dates are still not open but they will be open very soon. And that's, that's for people that want to deepen themselves into breath work. It's really beautifully structured. That's a lot of theory and uh, it's a full program. Um, and uh, you can be coach, you can be trainer, um, you can have different expertise or just be curious about accessing this new world. I think like I've done that with Nora for six months and it was a dive into myself and a dive into the breath work world and I'm practicing now and yeah, it's, yeah, amazing. All right, just to wrap up, um, healingwildly.com, it's Nora's website. And you can reach out to her through email or through Instagram. I will share all the links below. But thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I think that... Thank you so much uh, for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a, a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, for sure, we'll see you very soon. Till next time. Yes. Yeah.